Welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show, where we interview founders of fast-growing seven- and eight-figure e-commerce businesses and e-commerce experts. They'll tell their stories, share how they 2X their businesses, and inspire you to take action in your own online retail business today. And now, here he is, the man in the mix, Kunle Campbell. Hi 2Xers, welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show. I'm your host, Kune Campbell, and in this podcast, I interview e-commerce entrepreneurs and online retail marketing experts who uncover new e-commerce marketing tactics and strategies to help you, my fellow 2Xers and listeners, double specific e-commerce growth metrics in your online stores. So if you're looking to double metrics such as conversion, average order value, repeat customers, traffic, and ultimately sales, you're in the right place. On today's show, I have the direct director and marketing manager of a very niche specialist UK online retail store or brand. They're here to share insightful tips and sort of the direction of how to take a specialist brand forward in the online space. Without further ado, I would like to introduce Alec Ruai. Hiya. Hello who is the commercial director of the Sock Shop, which is part of the Ruai Group, um, which is a textile company. And Paul Haney, he is the marketing manager, an e-commerce manager of of the group. He oversees um, everything, marketing and um, e-commerce. Hello. So, hello, hi there. So could you take about a minute or so to introduce yourselves? I'm starting with you, Alec. Uh, yeah, I'm Alec Ruida. I'm one of the family members of Rue Group, uh, who owns the Sock Shop as an online entity. I've been part of the group for the last 10 years, and prior to that, uh, funny enough, I didn't join the family business. I was actually a school teacher teaching economics and business to students from the ages of 11 to 18. And in the last 10 years, I've got involved with Sock Shop and a number of other sock products within the group. Interesting. Welcome to the show. And um, we, we look forward to, to, to digging a bit more. About, um, and then Paul, could you please um, introduce yourself? Hi, yes, my name is Paul Hanley. I've uh, been with Sock Shop now for just under six months. Um, I do come from a, uh, a long mail order and uh, e-commerce background, though, working for such companies like Dabs.com from the early 90s all the way through to the early uh, or to mid-2000s. And uh, I've recently worked for the Regatta Group, so uh, brands like Regatta, uh, Dare to Be, Cry Coppers, and Hawkshead. Interesting. How long have you been with Just under six months just now. Six so months. It's, uh, I, I do have a sort of like clothing uh, background from yeah. my experience previously at Regatta, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a good learning curve for me as well. Absolutely. So having gone through. <laughs> Absolutely. Having gone through several, you know, shopping, um, sorry, fashion brands um, in an online retail, it'd be quite interesting to to, to hear your insights and um, yeah, to, to bring in your experience. Right. The so- so we, we've also got Manti with us, who I, I thought would be useful to bring in on, on the interview. Hi, Manti. Family-run business. Uh, Hello. Yeah. 
I thought it'd be useful uh, to get Manti to talk because she uh, does a lot of the PR. Absolutely, Manti was was actually the the key person who who got this interview for for us, and she's a PR manager of of the Ruai Group. Manti, could you introduce yourself, please? Yeah, hi. Um, hi. I joined um, the family business in January of this year, so okay. it's coming up to um, ten ten months that I've been working here. Um, I was previously at Benefit Cosmetics doing the PR there in-house wow, okay. um, and I joined because we didn't have any PR for the group so I started off with um, doing Sock Shop okay. but now I'm also working across some of the other brands we have as well. Very, very interesting. So so again, from, from the fashion and cosmetics industry, bringing in your experience, it's quite interesting. Okay, let's start out with the first set of questions. Really, it's more what I found out about the brand and I just want to dig a bit deeper into the sock shop especially. I, I'm aware you um, there are about three major brands. Um, there's Heat Holders, Sock Shop and Howick Knitwear. But I'm going to specifically talk about Sock Shop now over this interview. So the Sock Shop has been a around for quite a while. Um, I'm not sure that it was founded by um, retail entrepreneur Sophie Merriman in 1983 and you took the reels um, in 2006. Could you send I think the stock ship was, was in, in administration at the time. However, in 2006, you've, you, you've managed to, to take it over and, you know, turn it around. It's, it's, it's coming to about eight years now. Could you share some more information as to the background of Sock Shop um, for, to our listeners, please? Okay, Sock Shop was a roaring success in the 1980s and in the early uh, 1990s. It grew very rapidly and even today, when we speak to many people, you mentioned Sock Shop. Their instant memory of, is of Sock Shop in railway stations, airports. I think in its height, it was probably in 400, 500 outlets in some form throughout the UK, parts of Europe and, and North America. And unfortunately, because of rapid expansion and quite, quite often people say this, uh, they went into uh, North America and that marked the end of the start for Sock Shop, and ever since then, they've been struggling d- during the mid-90s on- onwards. Uh, and in 2006, uh, it unfortunately came into administration, and as a group, Rue Group, we'd been dealing with socks for 20, 30 years, and we saw an opportunity to acquire the Sock Shop brand and possibly a few of the shops to see where we could take it. Okay, right. And let's talk about Rue Group, your third generation and your your background really is is the text is textiles and th- mm-hmm. there, there has been an evolution could you describe the evolution please um of, of ruya group from, yeah, from the first to, 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 to now from the first generation ironically uh, ruya uh, means cotton so in, hindu. in hindi from india rui means cotton and ruiwala is what you you say you've heard the term wala you can be a punker while and so on. Rui Walla meant the cotton people. Right. The, the name Ruya comes from a shortened version of Rui Wallas and Ruya. So we've kind of specialised in cotton for many years, many generations, probably 18th century uh, onwards from, from India. Right. Parents came out to the UK in the 1950s and two uncles likewise developed a business in Manchester, the heart of the Lancashire textile industry for, for, for many centuries and that's where lots of Asian people came came from and we have been working over three generations really supplying some form of textile product into UK now into Europe and also North America and more, more lastly in terms of sock shop and other products like heat holders 
onto the global market. Okay, so so from 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 the sounds of things, you're 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 a part wholesale business and a retail business. Um, exactly. So so is is wholesale predominant in in the structure or in, in terms in share of revenue, or is is retail more predominant? Uh, is, is it changing? Wholesale, wholesale is predominantly. Uh, the, the main revenue source for, for Rue Group or Sock Shop, do a number of brand uh, or products under the Sock Shop label. Obviously, the end game for us would be to get Sock Shop online to account for 60, 70% of all our uh, sales revenue. We're approaching it in a very systematic way. We're not hungry to grow online sales in in some rampant way which compromises the integrity of uh, Sock Shop, mm-hmm. which is there to provide quality products at uh, fair prices for uh, all our customers. So as time goes on, we've seen growth of 20 25% as Sock Shop Online. Phenomenal uh, growth. But at this rate, it'll probably take at least another five, six years for it to reach a target of 50 60% of our uh, total turnover in terms of sales. Interesting. Is this your first foray into retail as um, for, for, for the group or have you you know had experience with other retail brands prior to to sock shop uh, within the group within we've done some concessions but okay. not uh, when it comes to textiles we've not done a great deal of retailing uh, in terms of bricks and mortar no interesting okay uh, so it's a good experience in terms of the growth you're, you're experiencing yeah. really okay right the the next thing is how I've been speaking to, to a number of entrepreneurs now and um, everybody, at least in the UK, just had horrible things to say about the period of 2008 to 2010, the recession, Lehman Brothers and, and the like. Did it affect um, Sock Shop? Because you started in 2006, you probably cleaned the business up for, for, for a year or so and yeah. um, brought it to nine. So, so how, how was 2006 to 2010 in, in, from, from a sales uh, standpoint? And From that point of view, because we've got some winning products and that's really one of the crucial points of an online retailer. It's not about being fickle. You've got to know your product. You've got to be passionate about your product. You've mm-hmm. got to give the customer the, the service they're looking for. So funny enough, between 2007, 2008, 2010, we didn't really see any damage to the online offer at all. It, it's grown at 20, 25% uh, steadily over that period. And with certain products that we've got, the wholesale offer for soft shop, they also being supplemented by by great products. Interesting, a recession, recession-proof business, and very, very, very interesting. Well, that'd be a bit extreme to say it's recession-proof, but we managed to weather the storm. <laughs> okay, and um, so would you describe yourselves as the market leaders in in in, in the sock niche in in the UK? In the UK, as an independent sock supplier distributor into the UK. We'd like to think we are the market leader. We're not as big as Marks and Spencer or, or, or Tesco in actual sales turnover of socks. But as a wholesaler, where we supply onto onto the high street, a number of our products are with uh, probably the whole landscape of retailers throughout the UK. So if you were to go into Debenhams, you'd see some of our products. If you went to M&K, if you went to Tesco, uh, you'd see the full range of products, Venice, House of Fraser, and so on. Okay, okay. okay. I was, I was going to ask the next question further down the interview, but um, I just 
prefer to ask it and ask about it now. I read uh, an article, um, I think in the Telegraph, about the fact that you and your brother, Fimal, actually have a, a condition, um, retinus, retinus pigment ulcer, which is just called RP, which yeah, means you're, 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 um, you're partially blind, you're, you're, you're blind, basically. What challenges are, are you having, you know, being given your condition, being blind, running an, um, an e-commerce business? Could you shed some, some more light so, so people could get the context of... Well, the, t- the two of us are quite different as brothers. The uh, most male as brothers, so essentially speaking, being of Indian origin, the, the eldest mm-hmm. in the family, just by default, will be the boss, mm-hmm. as it were. But that's not just the case. It's not just by default. Fim will tend to take all the responsibility, not just for Soxhart, but the, the wider financials. So Vimal's character is very different to my character. Uh, Vimal is very meticulous in everything that he does. And when he runs his e-commerce, side of the operation. Nobody can get away with anything and I think Paul would echo that the last six months. Yes, I'll agree one wholeheartedly. (laughs) Since he's joined the business it's been a baptism of fire because uh, it's not a soft option when you're dealing with Vimal, not because of his character but his attention to detail. It's not just the operation of the the website and the, the way it flows but also his knowledge and detail of product and the way things are packaged and getting the whole operation from product in, product dispatch and product uh, displayed on the website. Absolutely phenomenal in his memory and detail. My role tends to be a bit more wholesale, commercial, and I tend to, well, as I said at the beginning of this interview, I was a teacher, so I tend to be probably a bit more people-orientated, go out and look for wholesale retail customers, and that tends to be my specialism and when it comes down to detail I suppose it is an advantage uh, detail isn't my specialism at all so the two of us will complement each other very well, they're very detailed and I'm not, and the eyesight can be a problem for me but ironically it can be a real asset and I think we discussed this earlier, Paul finds the way them approaches a website in quite a different way to a sighted person, that becomes a real advantage because you make sure that every I and T are fully crossed and dotted Interesting. I'm going to give a use case here. So I'm going to pretend I'm I'm Vimo and there's been a major update. Say the website has gone responsive. This is this question is directed to you, Paul. And so we've gone responsive. The the so it's it's mobile responsive, and I need feedback from Vimo's perspective. How would Vimo ask you? He he can't can he still see the screen or is it just hearsay from from your from your point of? No, literally, we um, when when I'm talking to them all about the actual website, whether it's you know responsive, whether it's on a phone mm-hmm. or a, an iPad or you know a desktop or a laptop, I'm literally describing every detail from the top of the page as you know as much as I can put it into my own words, and we go down the page. So we will hit things like uh, the mega menu structure from after we've gone you know, gone through the header, and I will describe how that is presented on the page to him and as much detail as I can. With colours, would would you be aware of the colours and yeah, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, we have um, you know we have some you know, brand colours of the black uh, background with the gold highlight colour. Um, mm-hmm. So up to that, but um, a lot of the uh, imagery that we're using now is quite colourful as well. But you know, I'll describe it as you know the best I possibly can. Okay, so I'm, I'm on your website now, and um, so who chooses the? You have um, really good photos on, on the homepage, by the way. Really good models, really good um, display and um, showcase of, of socks there. So so. Would would he would you describe 
would you describe the slider images to him too or someone else? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it depends who's, who's in the meeting as well. I mean, often we'll have one-on-ones that go through it, and often, uh, you know, a lot of the times we will get together as a group. So we have Ruth Hoyle, who's our uh, brand manager, who comes up with a lot of the ideas. She's joined us uh, early mm-hmm. September and has quite a strong fashion background and, you know, is really creative. So, you know, she she decides and does that she, for instance the um, autumn winter Christmas photo mm-hmm. shoot which we're starting to see imagery on the uh, on the homepage comes through, starting to come mm-hmm. through now which we've just completed you know that that was all her concepts along with her assistant Danielle mm-hmm. you know that they come up with that side of things what we'd recognise from me is that Bimmel will see his weakness he, he, he can't uh, comment really uh, or influence the graphics and, mm-hmm. and the aesthetics of design his focus is how the site works and the ease of operation yeah. and, and that really works well because sometimes sighted people can get carried away with the graphics and the imagery but when they look at the nuts and bolts and the way actual sites working that can be sometimes overlooked and, uh, and that's where it, the irony is somebody that isn't sighted can actually add some serious value. Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to say, I totally agree with that as well. You know, we can, a site these days has got to stand out. It's got to look good. But at the end of the day, we've got to remember that people are are visiting the site because they're potentially interested in purchasing from us. Mm -hmm. So the whole journey through from the homepage to finding the products to adding uh, adding into the basket to purchasing has got to be, you know, the strongest thing. Or it's got to be up there along with the look and feel of the site mm-hmm. as well and like uh, Alok said then it can get overlooked sometimes so, so I guess you, you, you break down the user journey from say a category page if I was browsing a category page so I, I, I got to, to a category page through to checkout to, to Vim all over a session and then he could critique each step in the, in the customer journey is, is that, yes, yes is that he would, yeah. Yeah. it's very interesting because um, you, you do get very emotional and used to your space with, you know with, with vision and you, you don't tend to pick things up um, if, with, with full vision and you know if someone's there detached from visually from, from, from the experience he, he could you know give really 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 salient advice and pointers to to improving the the user journey so it's quite interesting i i i thought to to ask this question now so we can move on to our mid-stage interview questions okay so next are the mid-stage interview questions and my my question really is it's probably targeted to 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 look and it's in regards to the future of sock shop do do you see it being a pure online brand or do you see bricks and mortar expansion um say to airports like you know um, like it used to be okay people will love and remember sock shop for being the airport shop for mm. being this shop that you saw at um, king's cross railway station and so on i think what's actually changed through the 90s into 1980 is the price of fashion the price of textile products relatively have come down since mm. the onslaught of far eastern imports from china and so on and we expect our products to be cheaper and also the the, the, the cost of uh, rentals in retail spaces has, has has gone up so that metric that relationship between uh, actual absolute profit margin and retail rent uh, has actually narrowed and therefore mm. make socks work skillfully and successfully financially in bricks and mortar at these high rental locations <laughs> is a pretty tough call. Uh, certainly you've got the footfall, but 
the margins are, are pretty tight. You get you, you get a, a railway strike, which they did in the 80s, that can just trounce your business. And I don't really think the on, uh, the bricks and mortar approach, the way we remember Sockshop of the past, is quite is ever going to return. Having said that, it's something that I like the idea of experimenting with would be a, a click and collect service that you could perhaps cooperate with a WH Smith travel and you could do a click and collect service where you mm-hmm. have a booth there and we send our products overnight and people who are, very, are going into the city want to pick up their socks. Um, they, they simply go to WH Smith and pick up their package. I could see that working. Uh, something that will, is work in progress, the, the thinking behind it. But essentially speaking, I think um, it's an online offer that we're, that we're looking at. We do have a few concessions in a number of boundary mills in the House of Fraser uh, mm-hmm. around the country, but we're not seeking them out that aggressively. There's, I, was, I was going to say sort of mention this, it's not necessarily a question, but um, do you see, actually I'm going to change it to a question, but do you see, other than margins, short-term margins, do you see brand opportunities from expansion? So um, I, the fact that I see Sock Shop Shop in Paddington Station, which has fantastic footfall or Heathrow Airport, mm-hmm. um, while traveling, I don't necessarily buy from them, but I trust them because I could see their mm-hmm. presence on there. And then I search for socks. I happen to search for socks and I come across a brand. Do you see that multi, that journey customer journey from offline do you see there are, do you see if there are any advantages from that offline to online transition and you know when um, you close off basically online and um your your offline presence is pretty much um more like advertising expensive advertising yes. <laughs> i think you have to be a, a mega brand to see it in, mm. in that form and socks they're a great product uh, but the most expensive sock product is probably a pair of cashmere socks that we do a guy socks that about 30 pounds yeah that's so they're not high high value products in that sense that can justify a unit in an airport as a as a pr story that's my general feeling and what it's an essential culture of our organization with we're very commercial and perhaps it could be seen as a downfall that we're not into flouncy promotional campaigns that might be great publicity stunts that can be very expensive and raise a lot of awareness. Essentially speaking, we're there to produce, produce, provide and supply a fantastic product, which we're all passionate about. Because what Topshop is today, and it probably wasn't in the 90s, is that Everyone in our organization up in Bolton eats, sleeps socks all the time. We know our socks. One of the guys in our organization ran a sock factory uh, in Leicester in the 1980s. And prior to that, he was a shop steward at Byford's in Leicester, the heart of the sock nation in, in the 1960s and 1970s. So we know our socks. And that's the difference in, in many ways. We supply socks to so many retailers in the land. You know, top retailers have their buyers and those buyers are graduates and six months they may be in socks. The, the next six months they're in outerwear, the next six months they're in shoes. And we find that a bit strange because that buyer is sitting there, knows a bit about socks, feels the sock, but doesn't know the, the, the actual details in terms of the way the garment's made, the heel, the toe, the seam, mm-hmm. uh, the, the welt and the yarn that's gone into it. And what we are as a retailer online is that we know our product so well. We've got 40, 50, 60 years worth of 
individuals' experiences in what we provide, and yeah. we're very passionate about what that customer gets at the end of, end of the day. Equally, we, we have other brands on our site, like Falk. We all recognise that a Falk sock is one of the best. Right? We and we give total respect to that brand because those guys that are supplying that sock equally know their product, yeah. and I think that's the difference with us as an online retailer uh, specialism. Uh, because we know the product compared to a, a general merchandise retailer like a Marks and Spencer that yeah. are they've been brilliant at socks or or uh, and underwear for years and years. But sometimes we question those individual buyers: are they as passionate about their products as, as we are? So, so, how do you translate this in in an online in your online space on your website? How how do you sort of reinforce your passion and your specialization in? in the buying you know if you've got a, variety a, if, I guess if your buying team knows what we're looking for mm-hmm. what they do from other brands plus our own own label products when the customer comes tries the product they are amazed impressed call it what you will by the product that we supply and the price it goes out for and I think you probably recognise them FIFO comments that we get are always very very praising about the, uh, the, uh, the operation that we're running because we know, yeah, sure, there will be the odd product that uh, slips through. Socks, manufacturing of socks can have their problems, but generally speaking, 96, 97% of the customers that do go out and write about our product are very happy with what we do. Interesting. And, and do you have diehard fans who just are obsessed with socks, who, customers, sorry, who, who are really uh, obsessed with socks and, you know, know their socks? Uh, yes. I think Man that we get some great feedback and people yeah. even write poems on the, on the website. <laughs> and their love of socks. Interesting. Okay. So apart from multi-channel approach and, you know, having that high street um, presence, what about the opportunity about like cross-border e-commerce? Are you getting a lot of, do you ship internationally? Um, are you getting a lot of interest in the EU, especially from the USA, for people looking for English brands or UK, British brands? What, what's been your experience really for, with cross-border? What, what's your approach with cross-border um, e-commerce? I think that's the Paul. Yeah, I'll go with that one. Okay. <clears throat> We sell, yeah, we sell internationally, basically. The website is set up for multi-currency and we ship EU and we ship worldwide. Okay. Um, we have uh, a good lot, of, we have a lot of sales coming in from the US and France and Germany are our key market. We sell, uh, we also utilize the Amazon, uh, Seller Central system to actually sell within these territories to mm-hmm. supplement the website as well. And um, we've been on the US, uh, Amazon site, uh, since summer last year year uh, so that'll be 2013 mm-hmm. and uh, we went live with full language translations in France and Germany and Spain this summer as well and we've uh, Germany especially we've seen some really good uh, strong sales there. Mm-hmm. I mean Germany already is about a third of what the US um, sales you know, wow. we do on Amazon there but both the website and yeah, you know, we feel like Amazon and the website both complement each other as well because mm-hmm. obviously Amazon's a great route to market for us and it builds the brand mm-hmm. uh, Mm-hmm. For us. so you know mm-hmm. we've got they, they both work hand in hand in that respect but yeah um, selling abroad you know it's really a keen focus for us especially moving forward into into 2015 but okay. yeah it's going really well for us at the moment okay so, so from a so the, the site is is geared towards you know um, fulfilling well well yeah totally totally question I mean, myself- we, you know, 
I was going to say we have partners in America for the return side of things. Oh, okay. And you know, localized you know, more in Europe with France and Germany and Spain. Uh, the returns process is very straightforward, and you know our delivery times are quite quick as well. Very much uh, under promise and overachieved. So if we say three to four days into Europe, it's usually there in two to three days. So, you know. Okay. Interesting. And is, do, do you have warehouses in in Europe, or is is everything sort of shipped out? From the Every, UK? Everything everything is shipped from the UK. Okay, interesting. There's, there's an online uh, operation that that's the case company, but yeah. okay. as a wholesale operation, we've got warehouses in Central Europe and also in the US. Uh, we've got a couple of uh, central warehouses. Okay. Okay. Are you seeing demand outside of the EU and US, like uh, from China and, and India, or Asian, in China, Asian subcontinent? Or? In terms of China, you, 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 we talk about this multi-channel approach, and mm. this multi-channel is an interesting one because sometimes we put it in two two categories. You, you talk about online, or you talk about your own retail outlet. Mm-hmm. I'd say we're a bit in the middle because our offline offer tends to be broadly speaking, soft shop product uh, with our retail partners. So, for example, uh, we're supplying the heat holders uh, brand to Tesco, but Tesco also supplying it into Central Europe. So, uh, soft shop products are being seen in Central Europe. We're doing likewise in South Africa. We're selling heat holders into South Africa. And quite often, we'll get people emailing uh, soft shop or uh, our heat holders website directly because they bought a product in South Africa and say, where can I get more of these things because they're sold out. So uh, the soft shop sale will increase based on them inquiries. Okay. Uh, so so your, your, your footprint is, is quite important, especially yeah. with branded products and, and everything and, and everything comes back to the website eventually, the, it, the wider it, your, your it, footprint. In some form. Mm. And uh, the reason why I say this is that we're in the process at the moment of talking with a, a, a partner who is going to be selling heat holders into China. And we're very excited mm. about that. It's like taking coal back, back to Newcastle. In that <laughs> sense. But they love the product. The innovation and the design and the packaging has all come from the UK. So we, we pride ourselves on what the UK is <laughs> in terms of innovation. Mm-hmm. We're in the process in terms of the heat holder of potentially developing something that is very, very special, which I probably can't talk about at the moment, but mm-hmm. in six to 12 months time we will be able to. But because of that, we, we're almost exporting our design and our innovation. And this Chinese partner is hopefully only supplying the heat holder, uh, the, the soft copper heat holder product mm-hmm. into Beijing and Shanghai, where uh, mm-hmm. happy for them, it can get very cold in places like Mongolia and so on. Yeah, it, it reminds me of the Apple model. Um, you know, Apple model. Apple is designed in in the states and in Los Angeles, proudly designed there, and then um, it's manufactured in China, brought back to America, and then sold to the Chinese again. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that, that you've really made my day to uh, to suggest that sock shop heat holders are just like <laughs> Apple products. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you could stick that as your, as your message. Okay, so so that's a very, very interesting initial set of questions. I think next thing we're going to talk about really would be customer acquisition. Let's talk about your number one customer acquisition channel. I would give us a poll, I think. Okay, so for online, obviously the Sock Shop website, um, it's got to be Google by a mile. Mm-hmm. You know, we feed as much information into Google as possible because, you know, it gives us a massive spread across, you know, the most impl- important platform in the world for driving traffic to us 
um, you know, keeping the beast fed, as it were, with the latest information is so important that not only does it mean that around 80% of our SEO work is done in-house, but mm. as a manufacturer who retails as well, it keeps us one step ahead of our competitors because, of course, we're creating all this unique content mm. via products and we're there first, which you know means that our relevance as far as Google is concerned is, mm-hmm. you know, is right up there. So, you know, as far as customer acquisition and getting people to the site, it's got to be Google for us. Okay, let's dig a bit deeper into this. You say Google, you talk about content. From my perspective, there are two kinds of content from an e-commerce and an e-commerce context. One um, type of content would be your product information in terms of like what you yep. sell. And the other bit of content really is how you promote stuff like in your blog or in video yep. or you know, things, promotional content. So yeah. when you say you're feeding the beast, the Google beast, what kind of content are you talking about in particular and where do you focus 80% of your time? Okay, well, I mean, all of our all of our product content, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to descriptions, is unique to us. We have a copywriter who writes mm-hmm. all of that content for mm-hmm. us. I think um, when you're talking about competitors and people like that, you know, if, if they're buying from distribution, they tend to get all their copy from, you know, distribution from the manufacturer. Yeah. So you get you tend to get a lot of sites which have all the same copy. So yeah. in, our, in our respect, because we get it written i mean obviously a lot of our products that we sell are our own anyway but as uh, alex said we do sell other brands such as falcon people like that as well so we we make sure that all of our copy is unique um, on the actual product descriptions and you know that is obviously very important that you know that it is unique so when you know google recognizes that and um, as far as the blog content the blog content is certainly a lot more free form as it were free roaming and um, we don't always necessarily talk about the brands it's about you know who you know the models who are you know are out there mm-hmm. you know wearing the you know the socks and you know the celebrities who are wearing them and just you know about the product or bounce socks itself because i think one of the things google doesn't like is when you talk you know when you sell 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 and mm-hmm. um, and again we have uh, an internal you know writer who writes all of our blogs for us who know who's worked for the company for quite some years so knows the products really really well so you know from that aspect the com- the copy and the content that we're producing is very unique to us it's very stylized to sock shop it's humorous as well but it's informative so you know it's it's all done in-house we're not just copying and pasting you know press releases from manufacturers and putting that out there and hoping that we're the first one to push it out there and google picks up on it first so i think that's very important that the uniqueness of the you know whether it's product descriptions or whether it's our blog posts that we're doing is you know is very important interesting i'm on a product page now and i can see what you mean i, I can see a nice ticker there it's it's it kind of um, talks about the, the sock thickness i like that in terms of the bar it reminds me it's, right. it's a three-point bar so it's fine medium and heavy and then there's a sock length also so these are things quite unique to no one else is likely to have these features on, on, on their product pages. And then there's a size guide, which, which is pretty standard. Interesting. Um, yeah. I'm just going to look at the um, category pages. Quite interesting too. Very, very neat. Five items per row. Okay. All right. 
And then there's there's some description at the top um, of, of um, football at the um, of category pages. Very very interesting. Okay, so I mean, how- yeah, it's a, it's an e-commerce site at the end of the day. We can't yeah. reinvent the wheel, unfortunately. Exactly. We don't have uh, you know uh, the, the resources to you know go and try a million and one different things. But mm-hmm. it, as, as far as Google is concerned, which you know, like I said, we feel drives all that traffic to mm-hmm. us. You know, it's 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 all about making sure that the content that Google picks up on is unique to us and that's what gives us the edge over the competitors as far as say someone like Google is uh, sorry where Google is concerned because they will rank us higher because of that Um, obviously pricing is a completely different um, you know strategy exactly yeah exactly but as far as the content is concerned you know at least everything on there is is written by ourselves as it were okay I a couple of days ago I came across John Lewis uh, John Lewis push out a, a read Detail, um, report every year and um, they, they're all sorts of trends and last Christmas was their first mobile Christmas in, in their terms quotes and unquote, I'm quoting them quotes and unquote them and the reason why is it was the first time ever they had mobile traffic surpassed desktop traffic and it sort of sustained itself to this to, 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 to date so right now on John Lewis there's more mobile traffic than there is desktop traffic is is that the case with Talk Shop at the minute, or where? It's not. We're not quite there yet. Okay. We're. I would say we're kind of fifty-fifty at the moment. Okay. Uh, mobile traffic against desktop traffic, and and I, I know for you know looking at the analytics that in the sort of like late afternoon, early evening, from about four o'clock onwards, we do see uh, the percentage has changed quite considerably. So from four o'clock onwards, building up to say seven, eight o'clock at night, once Coronation Street and EastEnders <laughs> is finished, um, our mobile traffic goes up through the roof where it is probably around 75 to 80% of our traffic as opposed to during the day when it's it's not quite possibly the you know the other way around but it's certainly yeah, more thanks. desktop and laptop users during the day when they're at, well, obviously I guess when they're at work but in the evening certainly we're seeing a lot more traffic coming through on tablets iPads and Android tablets and the like very very interesting okay it's just it's it's fascinating in terms of like data what, what um how data mimics or matches um real world um, actions right? I, I, li- I live on analytics the last thing <laughs> i do when i go to bed at night is check google take, analytics do you have to see what we've been doing during the day <laughs> <laughs> it's like an addiction it's worse than crack i think and <laughs> <laughs> stole the mobile app um, for, for analytics it's yeah okay so um let's talk about your second um, most important customer acquisition channel um, second most important acquisition, we're, I think we're looking at Amazon and email uh, okay. for, 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 for you know, from you know, equally. Like I was saying previously, we're, we've ex- we, we, Amazon.co.uk does fantastic business for us, and we've expanded, as I said last year, into North America uh, using Amazon.com, and we've, uh, we're on Amazon FR for France and Amazon Germany and Amazon Spain uh, this summer as well. But the, Amazon is a great platform for us because it allows us to try different things and it gets the brand out there and once somebody's bought a sock shop product from us on that platform that you know it's really in their mind that um, whether they continue to buy from Amazon or whether they come to sockshop.co.uk is a different matter because obviously Amazon just makes it so easy to purchase Absolutely. and it's, it's almost like it's you've got to be on Amazon these days because of the fact that that's where the world does their shopping because you know it's a one click purchase and it's done yeah. dusted and yeah. you know it, it arrives when it arrives no matter which company has sent it out 
out. So certainly that's very important for getting the brand out there for us. But I think email as well, in, you know, engaging with our existing customers and our yeah. new customers that come on through the, uh, you know, through the through the uh, stopshop.co.uk site. Yeah. You know, e- keeping them informed by email. I know it's a bit old school, considering you, you know, know. The, you know, the newer social media, you yeah. know, like Facebook and Twitter, and, you know, Pinterest and all those. Yeah. But you know, email is still so important. Everyone Absolutely. has an email account, yeah. and yeah. Um, you know, making sure that we're targeting customers correctly, you know, via that uh, that medium is very important. So I think Amazon and email are you know second and third or joint second, yeah. you know, customer acquisition channels definitely. I absolutely agree with you, Paul. Eric Smith, Google's chairman, executive chairman, two weeks ago was asked. Well, he alluded to the fact that Amazon is Google's competitor, major number one competitor, um, yeah. because some people like my, my wife for instance anytime she's looking for anything to buy online she doesn't search google first she searches amazon she goes yeah. into amazon and types and that's um that's very telling in terms of where amazon is and i've, I've come across amazon only businesses in the past where yeah. you know, they just they set up on amazon like the many toy businesses that that are setting up right now for um for the christmas season so yeah it's 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 fascinating it's it's it's, it's the internet for for e-commerce so, so i agree with you and, and congrats yeah, to email i think they keep you on your toes as well amazon mm. as well i yeah. mean we you know we as we know from our fifa reviews we have really good customer service experience mm. uh, for our customers but i think for amazon as a you know as a certainly for us and as an e-commerce business as a whole you know it keeps you on your toes as far as your customer service you know you can't slack on mm. amazon if you slack then your ratings go down and people just don't buy off you because there's so many options to buy so i think you know that that they also help e-commerce as a whole in that respect it's a very very good point keeping taking it so do you fulfill with amazon or do you fulfill directly from from your warehouses we, we we fulfill directly from our warehouse up in okay. Bolton. Any so of our retail control. customers, as Alex said previously, we do have all the warehouses around the you know around the world. But as far as our retail customers are concerned, everything's f- fulfilled from uh, our warehouses in Bolton. Um, we have looked at fulfilment by Amazon in the past, and I think we might look at it again in the future mm. for other territories such as France. Uh, they're very keen on next day delivery, whereas the mm. Germans will are prepared to wait that you know two or three days. You know, we may look at other territories as well. Fulfillment by Amazon, where you know the Far East, or you know, and you know, places like that, just because of the logistics of that side of things, it's easy to have that one centralised thing. But you know, that's that's for next year. But at the moment, everything's shipped from the UK. Interesting, interesting. I was, I was, I'm going to go back to the email thing. Um, email isn't old school. <laughs> it's not old school. <laughs> I, I always tell it is for me who's been doing this for 25 years. <laughs> oh yes, in terms of history, yes. Because um, at the end of the day um as an e-commerce brand you're you're um you're you're, you're an email you're, you're you're an email company you know at the end of the day and you know all customer acquisition um traffic should you know see you know email as a at least um a secondary conversion path because at the end, i see it over and over again in analytics where email appears to be from a last interaction standpoint appears to be the major driver of revenue because you know when you send out emails you make money but yeah emails are so important for for growth in e-commerce and you know you 
Facebook would change its algorithm, Google could change its algorithm, and you'd always have your email, you know, databases, although they're deliverability issues on there. But yeah. um yeah. Um yeah. So we, we, I was gonna say, um, as far as email's concerned, we actually changed platform in uh, the summer and we moved to um the Bronto platform and mm. it just allows us to now Fantastic. with the sales data that we're getting in and the functionality within the platform, it allows us to do so much more Stop. with email as well. Yeah. So it's we're literally not just bombarding now. Exactly. And, and, and base with one stock email we're splitting down by gender we're splitting exactly. down by age demographic exactly. and things like that so Last you know we're, we're, fo- we're focusing the men with the men's products we're focusing the women with mm-hmm. the female products you know all, you know out of our ranges that we're pushing on that particular email and we can see that the amount of clicks you know mm-hmm. going up you know we've got those anal- analytical data available to us it's, mm-hmm. it's just working more and we're engaging more with the customer and giving them a better service in that respect so mm-hmm. yeah I mean, the workflows... We're, you we're could, scratching the surface as well with, you know... Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Because it requires probably a dedicated hand to, you know, to, to hack it out because the segmentation, it, it means more relevant. So your click-throughs are higher yeah. and you could design various workflows. Um, so if you clicked in this, then they could get a series of emails, you know, over a period of time. So it's very, very interesting. Exactly. Well, and good. customers don't always open their email straight away. Mm. You know, and sometimes they need a gentle reminder and sometimes, you know, it's a week or so later, but when they've come around to actually read in them, you know, it often, you know, surprises us that we've sent an email out a week or two previously and then we're still getting orders from that email because customers are still opening the email a week or so later so you know i mean one of the great things about the platform we're on now is that over a period of time we're getting that customer information of when they're actually opening emails so it means that we can actually reduce the amount of emails we send out so we're not bombarding them but we can send it at a time when they're more likely to open it as well so it it puts us still at the forefront of their mind. Very, very interesting. Thanks for, for the points there. Okay. Next set of questions um, we'd, we'd be talking about would be customer retention and loyalty. But prior to that, let, let me I have one more question. And um, do you recommend or do you have any advice for other multi-channel points, acquisition channels, our listeners can sort of explore beyond Amazon, Google, and email? <sighs> I think you, there's a number of different platforms who you know who work well in different countries. I mean, I think in the UK we we pretty much predominantly think that Amazon is the be all and end all. Mm. I guess it does work for us well in France and Germany and Spain and in North America, but I think we also don't necessarily realize there are other platforms out there. I know Rakuten is uh, doing an awful lot of work at the moment to give Amazon a bit of a bloody nose worldwide. They've got a lot of money that they're spending on the marketing side of things, whether that works for them or not. We'll, you know, it will be, we'll have to wait and see on that. But we're also working with uh, the UK trade initiative, UKTI as well to investigate other platforms around the world and South America in China and Japan and in Australia. Australia, you know, those sorts of areas. In France and Germany as well, a bit closer to home, there are other platforms which we don't necessarily know about, which, you know, work better than Amazon, even though Amazon are in those uh, mm-hmm. themselves. So, yeah, it's, it's, you've got to do a lot of, you know, you've got to investigate 
you know these territories of where you actually want to sell into I think but uh, I think obviously like I say Rakuten is one which is a worldwide one which is you know starting to make some big inroads I think it's started from Japan yeah they are yes yeah the Japanese brand very very yeah I know they they bought play.com obviously a few years ago to get a foothold in the UK and tried to change it quite considerably I don't know how well that worked for them but Mm. I know they recently launched Rakuten.co.uk or Rakuten.co.uk which they're going very much after that Amazon market. What, what do you think about eBay? eBay is fantastic. It's great. They've spent an awful lot of money and I think they've changed a lot over the last 18 months to two years to make it into more, take it away from more of a car boot sale for want of a better phrase and they've got some big brands on board like Tesco's and I think Argos are on there and things mm-hmm. and they you know they use it as an outlet more than anything else so it's great for that I think from our products there's an awful lot of competition out there so mm-hmm. you can get you can get a bit swamped on eBay I think yeah. and it's a lot more it's, price led it's, it's a race to the bottom and on price and margins indeed really definitely thin, and, yeah. and we're not about that six or seven percent exactly. yeah it's a great platform, though, and again, it's you know it's good to get your name out there, but uh, exactly. it, it's hard work. It's hard, hard work, work, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's that's quite interesting. And uh, I also heard um, Tesco have an outlet, like a marketplace, but it's it's quite select in, in terms of who it, they they. Um, it is it is at the moment. We have investigated Tesco a bit further, and I think from a clothing point of view, they want to get their own brand on there yeah, and yeah. get settled in first. Their F and F is it or F and H? something like that uh, Florence and something Frederick I think um, mm. you know they want to get that settled on there before they're looking at other clothing brands but we, we have investigated it and uh, we're on their radar so I think Tesco's would probably be one to get onto if you can do mm. and like I say we are biding our time on that one and as soon as we can we'll be on there I think really interesting um, yeah really interesting points there Paul thank you so much okay let's let's move on to customer retention and loyalty I see your gold FIFO trust merchant you've got over eleven thousand plus fifa reviews 96 percent how important is our reviews and how does that connect to to customer service for a sock shop it's very very important as far as getting new customers and retaining existing customers mm. i think services like fifa are great because you know one it tells new potential new customers how good we are mm. and you know, we do try and be the best that we can to, you know, give our customers, you know, the best possible customer service. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it might sound a bit cliche, this, but it is, you know, the start of a journey with us because we do other things like birthday, you know, promotions for them. We do, you know, if you're a, a repeat customer, then, you know, a multiple repeat customer, then, you know, we have point uh, break points where, you know, if you've bought 10 orders with us, you know, anniversary side mm-hmm. things, you know, we will give you a, you know, a partial refund on your order just to celebrate the fact that, you know, you've been with us for such a long time. But I think reviews, you know, are great because it shows us in a positive light, but it also shows us as well that, you know, if we do make a mistake or something goes wrong, we also rectify it quickly as well. So from that point of view, it gives a really good impression of us and it shows that we're not infallible and we will sort it out quickly and efficiently when when something does go wrong. It's also good from an SEO point of view as well. Yeah. 
new content coming on, which is, you know, unique content to us and it's talking about us. So it's all relevant. So again, it feeds the beast that is Google. So from that point of view, it's great. Um, I have to say as well, speaking of Google, um, without saying, turning this into an advert for Google, we have just uh, signed up as a certified shop as well. Okay. Um, I think Google have obviously identified this fact that you've got services out there like FIFO and Trusted Reviews and the like. And I think that the certification of, you know, online shopping is, you know, that's what they're advertising as. But basically, it's another way of getting customer data from ourselves, whether it's order based or whether it's reviews from the actual customers themselves. So it's more information that's, you know, feeding into their uh, search engine. Just to let in the the guests, the the listeners on Google certified shops, it's kind of like um, a review system from google similar to fifo and and the like and the rest of them and it's google google going again into um, that space Uh, so just to to let them know um, i'm I'm on their site now it looks pretty much the same thing as i want my thoughts are how is this going to is this going to eliminate you know third-party reviews and adwords you know on adwords search you sometimes have reviews and and adwords it'd be fascinating if they win that off it's, 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 a, it's a difficult one because obviously we're in the very early stages with the certified shops. They've only really just been opened out into the UK. I think they've been running in the States for a while, mm. for the last 12 months or so now. So it's it's difficult to see how, you know, it's going like, to, you know, go out there because we just don't know because Google changed the goalposts so, you know, so often and rightly so in most respects because they changed them to make sure that the, you know, the quality of the results that they're serving up are, you know, are right at the end of the day. But yeah, I, I mean, it looks like they're, they're very much going after the FIFO type products and the trusted reviews type products because you know obviously with Google being the world's most used search engine mm-hmm. uh, certainly in the western world you know it's obviously trusted so mm-hmm. why not add that extra layer on as well and you know at the end of the day all that Google are interested in is getting that information out of you because the more information yeah. you've got the better the results yeah. so you know and it can only be good for you know people like ourselves who Absolutely. you know want to you know do the best for their customers as well you know and you know we're not feeding into it any rubbish as it were just to make sure our search mm-hmm. ranking is up there and that's what google recognizes i think is it a free service or um it is yes wow okay so it is at the moment choice <laughs> 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 okay okay that's that's a very very good one so, so i guess google certified shops check it out please yeah definitely right. okay how important to repeat customers to business very important. At the end of the day, obviously, it's more revenue that's coming in for us mm-hmm. with more sales. But also, as well, if we've got customers who are repeatedly buying from us, they're going to be talking to their friends and they're going to be writing reviews for us and mm-hmm. saying how, you know, the products that they're buying from us are great and the service that they're getting from us is great. So, you know, from that point of view, we, we want to keep them in that relationship with us. And, you know, obviously, like I mentioned previously, we do a number of things that allow or help us keep them in that relationship over and above the fact that we're offering them really great products and a really great service as well. So, you know, it, it's... It, it doesn't just encompass one thing of the fact that, yeah, great, we're getting repeat orders from them. It's so many other things as well, like I've described. I, I suppose it's a reflection that, you know, what you're doing with your business is good, it's right. Yeah. If people are coming back and spending money again. People can talk, but the, the cliche is money does talk. And in this case, if you're ready to let go of a bit more money to get product back, we must be doing a good job. And that's mm-hmm. what will make our business survive in the future to make sure that we're doing 
good job pleasing our customers. Okay. Okay. And I think my, my next question has to do with the fact that um, you, how do you get customers back in the door? So I, so a use case again, I purchased um, a pair of say running socks for a race. I was, I was on Saturday, say last week, Friday, I, I purchased from you, fulfilled. I was very happy with it. How would you get me to come back to sock shop? The next time I need a pair of dress socks or business socks for for, for my suit, or you know, over winter. Is that any different? Uh, you think coming uh, for a non-online retailer? Mm-hmm. I'd probably say it's the same. The answer would be the same for online or offline. Mm-hmm. In terms of a great customer experience, a great product, and a price that you pay for that product, you're very happy happy with. And if you if you can do that at, as an online customer, online business, uh, you're doing the right thing. And that's that's all that can happen. You, if you push it too hard with customers, and I think sometimes with online businesses, you can. it's easy to communicate with the, uh, the, the customer five, six, seven, eight times a week if you want, but you don't want to turn that customer off. Mm. You want to be in their psyche, so you talk about the running sock, think, wow, those guys sent me some great running socks. They do what they should be doing. They came quickly. I'll use them again for dress socks. And it's quite simple, that, isn't it? Okay. That's okay. my view. Uh, Paul might be... Uh, no, I, I totally agree. I totally agree with that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. one of the things Don't. that I'm... I'm quite keen on is the fact that we don't bombard our customers with too many emails. Mm. Um, you know, as we've already discussed, it's a great, it's a great way of keeping the brand within their minds. And if we've given them great service in the first place when they first ordered, we've got to, you know, make sure that we keep them, you know, our brand within the mind, but without bombarding. Because at the end mm. of the day, we can't That's forget the fact that, you know, there's a massive amount of choice out there. And, you know, if we've given them good service, we've sent them great products and they love the products, then we have, we've got to only hope that they will come back to us to look around for you know, for, for their next purchase. And that's, that's we can't for, we can't force them to do that though. Mm-hmm. So you know we've just got to you know make sure that we keep it in mind without bombarding. Top of mind, excellent. Another so start- within within that is you use the example again of the uh, the running sock and the dress sock. Mm-hmm. We have the biggest choice of socks. Yeah, the yeah, twelve thousand SKU. So hopefully. Whether it's a running sock, a dress sock, or a waterproof sock, uh, you'll come to the sock shop yeah. and you'll think they'll, yeah. they'll serve. So we're delivering a solution for people looking yeah. for stuff to cover their feet. Three things I've, I've picked up from, 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 from what um, Alok and um, Paul have said. <clears throat> One's experience. They, they get in terms of how well they're treated on store. So, you know, things about the the ease of finding the product in the first place and, you know, how fast it was delivered, how they were treated by customer service if there were any issues. Second is choice. You know, if, if they have enough choice, you'll be top of mind. And the third is top being top of mind but without but without actually bombarding them with too many messages whether it's facebook updates or emails it's it's stay stop top of mind but be aware that um there's a fine line between spam and and and, and communication and and adding value really and just being top of mind so so very very interesting points um gentlemen uh, i'm gonna enjoy that and with the email side of things as well making it relevant if you're on the right relevance you've got that right data from them then make it relevant to what they're interested in yeah what they are there's no point sending them you know a million emails about you know products for ladies when you know they're you know they're a man and they're looking for you know suit socks and dress socks and things like that okay you know all the time yes they 
they may buy, you know, the others for gifts for family members so, or friends or whatever. But exactly. You know, keep it relevant. So well. someone like me who, who, who likes running, you'd probably send a series of, you know, athletics or, you know, running um, socks when they become available or, you know, over a, a period of, of time. Exactly. Because we can utilize the sales data that's in our email platform, we can see that you predominantly buy running socks. So next time, you know, when we, if we want to do an e-shop which is sports related, then obviously, you know, we will more likely to target you rather than the entire base. Interesting. Okay. Right. Just want to, because we're running out of time here, conversion rate optimization. Are you actively optimizing the site with, with CRO or? Conversion rate is one of the most important things to us. It's what we look at the most. Mm-hmm. Quality traffic, I think, is what drives conversion rate, reduces mm-hmm. bounce rate, mm-hmm. and organically increases our you know our revenue in that respect so we're constantly on the site all the time looking at what people are searching for whether mm-hmm. it's our internal search engine whether it's keywords from google analytics we're looking what people are searching for on our site what they're coming on to and we're always looking to reduce that bounce rate down mm-hmm. because if the quality of the you know the keywords that we're you know looking at is high then you know people are going to get to the actual products that they want to see. So, for instance, if somebody's looking for Farrah trousers and they search for Farrah and they land at Sock Shop, I mean, apart from the fact that, you know, the name of the company gives away what we actually sell, they're only going to see Farrah socks and Farrah underwear. They're not going to see Farrah trousers. Mm-hmm. So we've got to make sure that those keywords are strong, you know, long-tail keywords are strong within within Google, you know, what we're pushing out and, you know, into Google and what Google's spidering us with because at the end of the day, if somebody search for, searches for Farrah socks and they come to us, they will see Farrah socks, Absolutely. and that will lead to more than more likely to purchase, which will increase our conversion rate. So, though quality traffic is you know is the way we approach things more. So, yeah, and I guess there's there's a there's a logic and a lot of thought is put into um, your brand in terms of your brand landing pages. So, because yeah. I, I can guess in fashion, a lot of people are very brand focused with their searches that they're looking for particular kinds of socks from brands obviously for the long mid and long tail and and then the core would be um your your top of your your top of funnel or general keywords okay great next set of questions has to do with average order value do do you track customer lifetime value in, in the store not particularly it's more about how many times customers repeat with us more than anything else because you know it it, it really depends on what they're purchasing at the time um, and who they're purchasing it for that you know we're, we're very strong on cartoon hero socks for instance mm-hmm. the marvel socks and doctor who socks sell incredibly mm-hmm. well for us <laughs> especially around this time of the year yeah. but then at other times of the year the same customer might be spending a bit more on you know dress socks um you know 20 30 pounds we have seen you know you know, an increase in our, you know, in our higher end brands and products, you know, increasing sales over the last 12 months considerably. So, you know, people are prepared to spend more, but mm-hmm. it's more about, you know, the, how many times they repeat and making sure that they come back to us. Which is is, is summer less busy compared to, to, to autumn and winter? Well, it's a hard one for me to answer that really because I've only been here since June. <laughs> but we had a really good June, July and August and, you know, uh, sales were up probably 25-30% over the previous yeah. year over yeah. the same period, which is great. And obviously I can't just put that down to me starting with the company, unfortunately, um, as much as I'd like to, but it certainly wasn't me. But then September, we 
you know, we, we, it was it was hard uh, as it was for a lot of clothing companies. Uh, we still did you know good business. Uh, the percentage increase was you know was it wasn't there really. It was there. We did pretty much the same this September as we did the previous September. Mm. October's been much better for us, but September's you know a lot of companies. I think uh, next group of uh, you know. Announced today that for the first time in 20 years they're going to, you know, they're announcing a profits warning because September is that mild. Everyone's had winter clothes out. We've obviously launched in August our autumn winter collections, and you know, people haven't. The customers just aren't that interested in them because the weather's been so mild. Mm. Uh, and a lot of you know retail companies of uh, clothing retail companies have struggled with that as well. So it's not been a disaster for us, uh, but you know, and October is back above where you know back to where we expect it to be mm. as the uh, the more inclement weather's come back in but yeah. uh, no um, September should uh, sorry summer should be quieter for us but this year it was it was better than the previous summer so good you're on yeah let's let's hope for, for a very cold winter come that's what funnily enough that's exactly what I've put down on my uh, notes <laughs> Okay, one other question in regards to repeat customers, average other values got to do with um, a brand in America I came across called Man Packs. And what they do is quite clever. They're a niche business and they got a lot of PR off the back of what they do. They're, they're a subscription-based business. So, you know, guys, we don't really like going to, to buy vests, socks and, um, you know, boxes from um, underwear you know, from shops every now and then. And, you know, some of us have um, yellow patches and our white tees, tees and stuff like that. So it's a subscription-based business for the basics on a regular basis. Are you exploring subscription-based, given how, you know, often people change um, their their socks? Um, are you exploring subscription-based business? And, you know, it's, it's, it's quite new in e-commerce anyway um, in the future, or just interesting to, to find out what your thoughts are on, on subscription-based business, given the fact that, you know, socks are things we, we change every, you know, every now and then. Yeah, definitely socks um, lend themselves to that type of business, you know, subscription-based business incredibly well because, you know, every couple of months we could be, you know, changing them or we're looking for new pairs or whatever. We have investigated it. We've seen the, the you know, the businesses start up in the States and see we're monitoring how well they do. I think it's it sounds a good, straightforward business, but the actual logistics of it mm-hmm. for the back-end side of things are a lot more complex than people think. So I think it would take some preparation on our part and some quite some serious development to be able to get the right the right technology if you like and on the back end to make sure that you know people who are subscribing are you know getting the right products out to them when they want it and you know so yeah it is something we're looking at but um, I think it'd be something maybe next year we investigate quite you know a bit further okay final set of questions great for repeat business of course yeah absolutely absolutely it's it's quite interesting in terms of the the repeat business exactly and and it's almost effortless repeat business because once you get the customer into the funnel or you know into the sale it just means you know you're able to almost um well model your business like it was a software as a service business um from from that standpoint and you, you'd easily be able to calculate your average um your your customer lifetime value um off the back of that if um you know subscriptions last for x number of years or x number of months yeah interesting anyway okay so final set of questions has to do with um with revenue with um with growth where do you envision sock shop next phase of growth 
to be from a customer acquisition standpoint. I think since 2006 or seven, it's been growing by 25% year on year. And um, I look at the fact that um, the stock shop will, given the next, with the current pace of growth, given the next eight years could, you know, be 50% of the business, which is substantial and, and compared to, to, to wholesale. But, but how, how do you see Envision, the next phase of growth? Where, where do you see cost? Where, where do you see, how do you see getting your next set of customers to, to make this happen, to make it a reality? I would like to just think it, it'd be good organic growth, which would reflect mm. that the product and the service that we, that we're providing is very good. People get to know about it word of mouth with their friends and their family and think, Top shop is a great one-stop shop for when it comes to when it comes to purchasing socks and going out aggressively in an inorganic way to acquire customers. I think can be a bit of a distraction at the worst, and mm. at, at best, it's a short-term gain. And we're not aggressive in the way we're going. We've seen nice, steady growth, and that's been based on some basic good practice in which any business, whether you're a wholesale business or a bricks-and-mortar retail business, should be doing. And we've opened up these new platforms like Amazon US, Amazon Germany, Amazon France, and so on. And it's kind of happening in a steady way. And I think that that's the way I'd like to see it going. Okay, it'd be great if we woke up the next day and you've seen sales grow by 50% from the previous year. But to go out aggressively and heavily PR it or invest hundreds of thousands of pounds, pounds or millions of pounds in celebrity endorsements and so on, I don't think is necessarily what we're, we're about. We're there uh, to, to please a customer and steady growth at 20-25%. If we manage that in, in, for the next five, six, seven years, we'd be a very contented business. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think it's not being too, too, too greedy, too aggressive, going by the, the concept of the black swan effect, small, you know, small, small, well, small moves, right. small, small losses, small wins. Sometimes small yeah. wins bring big results. So, so it's all yeah. about taking pace. It's a marathon, not, not a sprint at the end of yeah. the day. So, so I would agree with you. Would you confirm if you're a seven, six, seven, eight figure business? Uh, yeah, we are a multi-million pound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So what does e-commerce success mean to you? For, 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 for me, Paul will have a different take on it because he's got an e-commerce background from different organizations. I'm coming from it from the viewpoint of stocks in this particular segment. E-commerce success that we run very successful business in terms of pleasing customers, mm-hmm. in terms of product quality and so on. I think I've said that quite, quite regularly throughout the, the interview. Uh, obviously, it's got to be profitable and sustainable and mm-hmm. keeping all our stakeholders happy. One comment I've not made is that Rue Group is part of the Ethical Trade Initiative and mm-hmm. we are working closely with our suppliers to ensure that our, our suppliers get a good deal from us and we supply responsibly from them. Mm-hmm. And a business that will be there in five, six years' time, bigger, stronger, keeping all its stakeholders happy from the suppliers to the customers to the employees and, and uh, to the investors. That, mm. That's what, for me, would be a successful e-commerce business. It could be e-commerce, it could be bricks and mortar, it could be a, more, uh, a mixture of the two. Fundamentals, I mean, the same. Yeah. Interesting. I, I, li- I like the, the, the give back aspect of, of, um, of 
of, of things and of you know building the business and then you know being being ethical in in, in the way you, you conduct um, business both to suppliers and how you source your your, your your products. So right, the the final set of question really has to do with one piece of advice you'd give you know e-commerce entrepreneurs looking to sort of sell in an ultra niche or specialist products you know online. So you know um, if, if 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 an entrepreneur is or uh, uh, yeah if, if a store is if if, if if one of our listeners is, is looking to set up a store, it's quite specialist. What what what, what pattern piece of advice would you would you give them? Understand your product one hundred percent, and understand your customer. Uh, that, that that's what I would say, and then have a good team of technocrats to support the passion of the business. Okay, important. From my point of view, it's going to be a long, hard slog. Don't think it's just going to happen overnight. You've got to build your traffic, come into your site. It's going to cost you time, effort, and money to to make that happen. Whether it's PR that you're doing for your product, whether it's money spent on AdWords, mm-hmm. it's money spent on your platform, and um, like Gallup says, getting the right products, knowing your products. You know, it's it's just it's going to be a lot of work, and don't just think that you can open a website. We're not back in two thousand and five or two thousand. You know, you can't just open a website and it's an instant success overnight like it used to be. It takes a lot of work and effort and patience these days. Much more sophisticated. Okay. Right. Thank you so much for, 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 for being on the show and this show. And if our listeners wanted to, to get in touch with either of you, what's the best based social media email or yeah. What, what how, how best can they reach you? If? Social media, man. Yeah. Maybe um, Twitter probably. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then we can get in touch with them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. On your handle, Sock Shop. At Sock, At Sock, Sock Shop. UK. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you so much again, guys. It was a fantastic interview. It's it's run out to, to show you how, how good it was. It, it was meant to be one hour and it's almost um, an hour, 20 minutes, but um, right. it's, it's been really, really, really good stuff. Thank you so right, much cool. again. And um, You're welcome. Yeah, see you guys soon. Bye. All right. Thank Take you. care. Thank you. Right. If you made it through the entire one hour, 20 minutes, thank you so much for listening through to get hold of the show notes and all reference links we talked about over the show. Be sure to hop over to 2xecommerce.com and um, everything will be there for you. On another note, if you enjoyed listening to this episode, please don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes as it'll help push the 2X e-commerce podcast out there. It'll help me interview more store owners and founders as well as marketing experts and provide you quality content. So till the next episode, Cheerio. Cheers. See you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X e-commerce. To help you get more actionable insights and e-commerce growth hacks that will help you 2X your online retail business, hop over to 2xecommerce.com. It's a blog dedicated to e-commerce and multi-channel marketing run by the show's host, Kunle Campbell. 2xecommerce.com is packed full of articles and guides to help increase traffic to your store, increase repeat purchases, and average order value. Thanks for listening. Visit 2xecommerce.com.